Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to the weekly message from Unity North Tampa, presented here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Today's message is Seven Spiritual Laws of Release, the Law of Minimization, and was recorded on Sunday, October 16, 2022. I love Unity. I love our teachings, and I'm really excited about the continued work we're doing in my book, Seven Spiritual Laws of Release. This is week three, and so far, wow, we've had some great work already being done. Many of you have spoken to me about how, you know what, I'm feeling more in the flow. You know, week one was about the law of giving and us being really in integrity with what we say matters to us, being in the flow with giving to those things that support us spiritually, right? And then last week was about being of service, and I was so overwhelmed with people uh, popping in and saying, well, what can I do? What can I do? And so I made up a little form, and we're going to figure out a place to help you find your place because it's so important to be able to give back. Because we said last week, as we give, as we give of our service, it actually sends a message to the universe. And that message is, I am worthy. I am worthy. Will you say that with me? I am worthy. I'm worthy. When I give a gift, it means I'm worthy because I know I have something to give you. And I shared many stories of my history of some of my teachers, Mr. Willie and my parents and all the ways they taught me to be of service just in the little smallest ways. And I'll tell you, I see that here. I come in and I, uh, somebody else has volunteered to help with the grounds and a little extra things done. I didn't even know what was going to happen. I love that. I love when something good and grand happens and I don't have to make it happen. Anybody know what that's like? When somebody at your house does the dishes and you're not expecting it? Isn't that like a, like somebody handing you a hundred dollars? Don't you love that? Don't you love that? Or the laundry's done and you didn't think it was going to be. Does that ever happen at your house? It's going to now. Trust me. Yeah, it's going to now. So somebody's going to just do it and you're going to just feel the blessing of somebody you love serving you in this way. Isn't that amazing? 
one day recently, my, my son had had a lot going on at school, and his room was a wreck. You know how teenagers' rooms get, you know? And I thought, wouldn't it be nice if I just, like, made his bed and, like, put some water in there? He likes a certain kind of water. I made it look like a hotel. I put, like, three little waters. You know how when you go in a hotel and there's three little waters sitting there? I, like, turn the light on. I put three little waters right by his bed, and he goes, Mama, was a cleaning lady here? I said, no, I did that. Well, thank you. It was a little thing, you know. It's a little thing, but a way to serve somebody I love. Right? Somebody who works very, very hard. 15-year-old, just really, I'm so proud of him. Right? So just a little thing, a little way to be of service. And then we said, there's even grander ways we can be of service to our community. Right? So, so far, no one yet has stepped up in our community to lead an outreach effort. But I have a feeling that's coming. I just know that's coming because we want to be of greater service to our community. But what I know is as a spiritual community, we're really serving by other groups using our facility to teach classes on meditation. I think it's amazing already two new groups are here. One just started last week, the Buddhist group, and a couple months ago was the Sai Baba group. This is wonderful prayer energy. Isn't this amazing? Yes, so we are certainly a center of peace. And I keep adding to that, this is what I feel, and healing. Because as people walk, even walk onto the grounds, when we had our last workshop here a couple of weeks ago, somebody said, you know, I just drove here, and before I even went into the building, I felt God here. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that here. Beautiful, beautiful energy. And I always say the most holy place is that grove of trees out there. If you've never just walked in those grove of trees, do that. So, so beautiful. This is, this is God right here. Right? So, but we're here on Sunday morning to what? Remember the truth, the truth that sets us free. So today we're studying a different law. And, oh, sorry, Dove, will you hand me those two things? Yeah. This one, this law I learned really in meditation. And then as I was tending my roses. I like to work with roses, and when I was a kid, my mom had these beautiful roses. And she would go out there, and she would just spend lots of time talking to them and picking. There's like little beetles that like roses and things. Well, I thought I knew about them, and I had a friend in town. And I didn't know she was a kind of a new friend, and she was a rose expert. And yes, and so I wanted to show her my roses because I'd moved into this home and there was this whole section of weeds out by the house and I cleaned it out because one day I saw something red poking up out of those weeds. I said, that looks like a rose trying to grow, you know. So I got in there and I put on my muck boots from the barn and I got my gloves and I was just pulling all this stuff out and come to find out there was a beautiful rose. And then there was my, uh, I had a rose that was my grandmother's. I said, I'm finally going to plant this rose. I've moved for years and years. I'm going to finally plant this rose. And I was so proud. My friend was there. And I took her out there. And I said, look at my roses. And she said, uh-huh. <laughs> and I said, oh, no. I felt bad right away. I started to have a shame attack right there. I was like, I thought they looked pretty good. And she said, well, they do look good. But what if I told you they could look better? I said, oh, I'd be very much willing to learn that. And she said, well, I don't think I've told you that I have over a hundred rose bushes. 
And I'm the president of the Rose Association or something like that. I was like, are you kidding me? I would never would have shown her the roses, you know, and I know. <laughs> and she said, here's the problem with your roses. She said, you see how there's all these extraneous leaves right here? And you see how that rose is working real hard to grow? I said, I do. And she said, and you see how this is all bunched up right here? No wind can blow through. I said, yes. She said, well, believe it or not, when the wind can't blow through those roses, it's almost like they get stagnant, almost like mold. They, because no, no wind can go through. And, and as a matter of fact, it makes them kind of, uh, susceptible in a windstorm to break. And then they break the larger, that long piece called the cane. I, I didn't know any of that. You know, cause I just watched my mom, but she never actually taught me these things. I'm not sure she knew them. And she said, here's the thing. She's highly spiritual. She said, the nature of a rose bush is to grow, but without help, all it's going to ever make is leaves. You have to trim it down so that the enormous energy in the cane can bloom. Amazing. So I started applying that principle to my roses. And you know what happened? What was one or two little roses became hundreds on a couple little bushes. Just, I mean, it was amazing. And they would bloom and bloom and bloom. And so when I was writing my book, I was sitting in meditation. And I was sitting in meditation. I was saying, Spirit, what is the third chapter? I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I got in my mind. The law of minimization. I said, I've never heard of the law of minimization. I'm going to look it up. And believe it or not, it's something in agriculture. It's called Liebig's Law. And really, it's about understanding what plants need to grow. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I thought back to that rose bush and that lesson my friend Teresa taught me. And I thought, you know, what if our lives are like the rose bush? We've got all these extraneous things going on. And what if we just minimize the things in our outer world? What if that would help us grow into our natural state, which is to bloom? What if that were true? So I began to do some cleaning out of things in my physical world, in my home, believe it or not. And you know what started to happen? Energy began to move. Things began to shift and change. And so what the law of minimum is to the natural world, I call the spiritual world the law of minimization. And I'm applying it to my physical home, to my physical property. Are there things that are getting all my energy when what I really want to do is bloom and grow? What are all these things I've surrounded myself with? Some with old memories, some old clothes I've held on to because I want to be that size again. Anybody ever done that? You say, what we say down south is that'll preach. Right? Those clothes that we say, oh, every time we look in our closet, we say, I can't believe I was ever that thin. And then we look at the other ones and we say, I can't believe I'm that big. And so then we go to the middle ones that are the ones we really wear. There's four things in the middle that we actually wear. <laughs> well, here's what I discovered. As I started removing those things, 
It sounds like a little thing, doesn't it? But as I started removing those things that were giving me all these kind of emotional thoughts about myself that were negative, I noticed the morning started kind of in a lot more flow. So I, I started looking at other areas of my home and saying, what am I holding on to physically that's no longer serving my path, that's no longer serving my energy? Think about that. You remember years ago when every house had 12 ashtrays? Well, some, some of us are still holding on to 12 ashtrays just in case we decide to start smoking again. You know, those of us that hold on to those, those, uh, that what this friend of mine in his garage, there was this drawer and it said this string too short to use, too long to throw. That's a little much, right? So what I've learned is that when we're holding on to things we don't need, there's a lack of trust that more will be available. Yeah, so see, there's something about trusting in the process, trusting in increase. So the law of minimization, though, is about removing those things that no longer work, just like the rose. And what I've discovered through years of working with people, this, in fact, does create flow, this creates energy, and this creates abundance of a different kind. And I want to share with you, I just was uh, working with one of my clients. I've worked with her for 10 years. I know her husband. I know the kids. Well, the kids are now grown. They've all moved out. And she and her husband are, are were planning to move. And I have her permission, by the way, to share this story. I just asked her the other day. She said, please share it. And they, they've been visioning about moving up into Tennessee, into the mountains. They've wanted to do it for a really long time. So they're getting everything together and organizing and, and, you know, clearing out and all of this sort of thing. And the house didn't sell. Not yet. I said, you have to get out. I said, I know that's a stretch. I know that is difficult, but you have 25 years of memories in this house. And until you move your energy out, no matter what you do, you're still here. And as soon as they signed the lease on the new place, just guess what happened? Phone calls started coming from the realtor. And today, two offers. This just happened. Just happened. But see, she physically had to remove herself from the home so the energy could start moving. I said, movement creates more what? Movement. Remember we said, for every action, there's a what? Equal and opposite what? Right. So if you want movement, you have to make it by moving. So believe it or not, when you're minimizing the things in your physical space, that creates movement, right? It creates room for spirit to blow through. Yeah, room for spirit to blow through. All right, let's look at number two. We already did number one. So on... As we're talking about release, we're going to get to more of the emotional and spiritual as we move forward, the deeper emotional and spiritual. But what we forget is that anytime we move something in the physical, it is emotional and spiritual. See, somehow we think life is spiritual over here and physical over here, but it's all part of one unit called spirit, soul, and body. Even the things in our physical world are a reflection of the consciousness we hold about ourselves. So that's what I'm saying. Even if you're only moving things in your home right now, 
that is going to create more release. Because every single thing in your world holds energy. Every single thing in your world holds energy. So think about the things you're holding on to. Is it something from the past? Is it something from an old relationship? You know, in uh, I have a, a dear friend who had an engagement ring. And the engagement ring was from a relationship from years ago. And every time I talked to her, guess what was the one thing she wanted? Relationship. And the more we talked, the more I found out she was so holding on to what had happened before and it was taking the form of a ring. And she held on to that ring because, hey, I might not get another one. Do you see how that was attached to a physical item? Right? So, as we move forward today, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. Let's look at number three. So, the release of the physical is what I'm asking you to consider. Think about. Pray over. And what's so amazing is that as you start to deepen this practice, you'll be going through your house and all of a sudden you'll go, you know what? That has got to go. Have you ever had that happen? All of a sudden you say, you know what? I'm done. Every day. Somebody said every day. <laughs> every day. Yeah. And, and if you're like a pack rat, start in one little area. I have a friend that says she does uh, 15 minutes a week of this work in her home and it's transformed her home into a sanctuary. Just taking 15 minutes in a week now, just one little area. And she said, you know, what used to be a pile of old papers that I don't need is now a sacred little space with a candle and that little salt bowl you told me about. And every time I walk by, I love it. Isn't that beautiful? Rather than thinking, oh, what are those old papers doing there? Have you ever done that? Ever? Like always? You go by and you say, what is that? You say, what is that? Oh, I'll deal with it later. Let's go watch Netflix. I'll deal with it later. What's that bill that says third notice? Let's just put it in the back drawer. Yep, yep. You see how we do, right? And so what happens is that starts to impact us emotionally, spiritually. So this week I'm going to challenge you, your mission should you choose to accept it, where is my mission possible thing when I need it? Okay, is, is, to, is to release from the level of the physical. I just did this in my car. Have you ever done that in your car? For some reason, I need, you know, 30,000 pins in the console. So I don't have any room for anything else, but pins I've got. If you need me to sign an autograph or anything going down the road, I got you covered. I don't know why. I don't know why. But just think about what do I need to release? Am I holding on to something that's no longer me? Yeah. So I think what happens is we think, well, what, what if I need it? Well, then more will be available. The thing I love about this law, the law of minimization, is it helps everyone because it moves it out of your life and into somebody else's life that actually needs it. I just did that with a bicycle. I helped a friend. When I moved, the last time, and I will just say this, people thought I was crazy but I lived in this home for a short amount of time and it was the neighborhood was not as good as I thought and uh, something kind of scary happened right down the street I said you know what that's it I'm I'm done this neighborhood is no no I cannot be here I cannot have my son here I'm going to get this thing ready to sell and I got it ready to sell in about six weeks me and a friend we painted it I repaired 
You can't believe. And the whole year I lived there, actually, I'd been working on it. Just little by little, every every couple days, I'd do something, clean out an area, strip paint, paint it again. Anyway, painted the whole thing. And then it was time to move. And I thought, you know what? I don't want any of this. I don't want any of this, except for my instruments and the things in my son's room. And even his big bed that I had made, it looked like a cabin me and a friend made. It was so cool. He's too big. So I said, literally everything has got to go, except for my instruments. And then I looked at my instruments, and I saw that big piano I'd moved for years. I said, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but I don't think I'm going to take it. It's strange. So I said, you know, this, none of this is me. Strange. I'd never had that feeling. Well, I met the new buyers. They were there for an inspe- home inspection. And they were a young couple, just got married from Colombia. Loved them right away. I mean, I just fell in love with them. I couldn't help it. He said, I love your instruments and everything. I said, you can play one of those guitars if you want to. And then I said, you know, I'm just curious. Do you play piano? He said, I can't believe you're asking me that because I played when I was a kid and I've been wanting to play again. Yeah. Can you believe it? I said, well, would you like that piano? He said, what? He said, can I show you something on my cell phone? I'm going to show you something right now. Right this second. Can I show you something? I said, yeah. He said, I sent my friend a picture of your living room because I loved it so much. And I said on here, Isn't this amazing? Look at that piano. And my friend said, maybe she'll give me the piano too. He said, maybe she will. It's right there. It's in writing on the phone. I said, it's yours. I'm still in contact with that couple. Still in contact with them. Yeah. Yeah. They they brought me in, showed me the house. We we we've stayed connected. I gave them all the lawn equipment. I gave them a refrigerator. I said, I want your start to be good. Yeah. 30 years old, both in construction, you know, never owned a home before. I said, you know, I I don't need this in my new house. Somebody's going to do my yard. So, you know what? Take it. Washer and dryer, take it. My cleaning lady got all my furniture. So, when I moved, I had one piece of furniture. And you know what? My house is full. My house is completely full. I have everything I need. And everything I need reflects my consciousness now. It's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. I'd even bought a new bed for my new house. As soon as I got it, I said, that belongs to my long guy. I, somebody said, you just bought that bed. I said, it's got to go. It's got to go. It's not mine. It's got to go. I gave it to him. And then I was walking my dog right around the street, and here was my neighbor. A guy worked for Disney for 40 years, and had some stuff for sale. I said, are you selling that uh, antique bed frame and that dresser? He said, yeah. I said, I'll take it. He said, you didn't ask how much it is. I said, it doesn't matter. That's mine. He said, how about $120? I said, good. (laughs) Perfect. Bought a brand new mattress, you know, so felt so prosperous. I love old antiques. Beautiful. Much better than the bed I had before. Crazy, right? This is what I mean about trusting in the flow. It's two doors down. Didn't even have to get a moving truck for it. Mattress delivered. See how that works? Release of the physical. I gave it all away. Nothing. Nothing. It's crazy. Only my instruments. 
And even that gave away the piano. Oh, so the rest of the piano story. So I was talking to a friend. I was up at his ranch, and I'd done some church up there. They like to do, they like me to come do church at their ranch. And I was telling him about my house and everything. He said, I can't wait to see your new place and all this. And I told him about the piano. He said, oh, hun, are you looking for a piano? Now listen, now listen, I'm not kidding you. I said, I am, and I'm going to get myself a grand. I've always wanted a grand, even though I'm not really a piano player. I love to play, and I've always wanted a grand piano. And he said, I have a grand you can have. He says, as a matter of fact, you know, I'm selling my shop, and I was wondering who to give it to. And I'd love it if you took it. So not only did I get a piano, I got a nicer one, and the one I wanted. I I can't explain that logically. But what I know is when I trust, I give space for the universe to show up. Okay? I could tell you story after story after story. These are just in the most recent two, three years. All right, let's look at number four. So there's a sacred native tradition. It's practiced in virtually every indigenous culture I know. I learned it from an Ojibwe elder. I learned it from a Cherokee elder as well. I have known it uh, practice also in the Lakota Sioux tribe. The sacred giveaway is when there's something you love that wants to go to another person. So this is next level of giving. Now, what I was talking about before is getting rid of stuff you don't want or need anymore. So this is next level. And this is about, you know, I have this sacred thing. And I really feel you would benefit from having it. Not, it's old and I don't want it. You see the difference in the energy of that? And I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you what happened to me with that recently. So many of you have noticed I wear often wear prayer beads, you know, this prayer mala. It's actually Buddhist prayer beads, 108 beads. I explained a little bit about it. And I was with a friend's mom who had a healing need. And I thought, you know, these beads really want to go to her. And it was hard because I loved them. I loved them. I had them made special for me. The same woman made them for me that makes them for a bookstore. And I picked out the stones. There was one from this African turquoise. You cannot get it. But I just knew it wanted to go to this lady. So Because she has a lot of physical healing needs and I wanted to help her. She's very special, very sweet. And this is on my first meeting. And I was really guided to wear them. And I, as I put them on, I said, God, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to. This one, I'm fighting because I love these so much. But it was so clear to give them away. So after I gave them away, I was really praying over it. And I said, okay, I'm going to get Dottie to make me another set. I could call her today. And Spirit said, don't do it. I mean, in my mind, I got, no, do not. And so then I said, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to not have prayer beads? Am I getting dependent on these beads? I went absolutely kicked into process. Am I too attached to this idea? What is it? Is it a fashion statement? Have I lost my mind? Why do I need these beads? And I just got, wait, wait, nothing. So a few weeks go by, I get something in the mail. Guess what it was? Yeah. Prayer beads from somebody I counsel that these got her through her dark night as a soul. And she heard me talk about the giveaway. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. She said they're inexpensive. They may not mean anything, but I said, oh, no. 
They mean a great deal. I'm sure she's watching right now. She watches every Sunday. She said, I just felt they should go to you because of these I feel got me through my dark night of the soul. I wanted to share them with you. Amazing, right? That's what I mean. Well, So this means much more, right, than me getting something I think I need. Because I can feel the energy. I can feel, feel her soul. And I still have the honor of supporting her. And every time I see her, she sees them on my arm. Beautiful, right? So that's how the giveaway works. When you realize you're connected to everything and everyone, it's not so much about mine, mine, mine. It's about the shared goodness, right? So pray on that one. See if there's anything you have that wants to go to someone else. Pray on it. May not be now. Maybe later. And let's finally look at number five. Oh, sorry. What was number four? Did I skip number four? Oh, no. Okay, very good. Number five. So we're going to talk more about this in future weeks. I've said a lot today. But because you're a soul on the journey, the clearer you are about your desires, where you want to go, what you want to do, what you want to be experiencing, the more the universe can support you, the more the universe can rush in and help fill those desires. But desire on the soul journey is what moves you forward. It's what begins to make room in the emotional and spiritual life. It leads you forward. Charles Fillmore said that that desire was the onward impulse of the ever-evolving soul. What you want, what you want to be, what you want to experience, whether it's healing, whether it's money, whether it's relationship, that clarity on soul desire starts moving you forward. Well, once you get clear, beginning to move away, everything unlike it is going to help you bloom and grow. Remember that. Remember that. The world has told us, get all you can. The one with the most toys wins. And you know what? The ones with the most toys just has a lot of toys. That's it. You just have a lot of stuff that then your loved ones have to go through after your passing. There's a tradition in another country. It's actually called death cleaning. And it's about this very thing. Again, you start at your late 70s. You begin to clean out and give away and things to people that matter. So There's no fights after you're gone then. Just see. What do you need? What do you need? But that clarity on your soul desire will help you know what's yours, what's release, and then even what's mine to give away. What's special of mine to give. Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Unity North Tampa here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com. This message is copyright 2022, Unity North Tampa, all rights reserved. Our theme music, The Light of God, is composed by Shannon Croft and used with permission and available at shannoncroft.com. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.